the Construction Employers Podcast, your connection to what's happening in the Northeast Ohio construction industry. Brought to you by the Construction Employers Association. Today's guests are Andy Trayers and Sarah Edelman from the May Dugan Center. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for coming in. And also with me is Myra Rosario. Hello, hello. Um, May Dugan Center has been a charitable organization that CEA has been supporting for the last couple of years with charitable contributions. Um, one of our board members, Chris Halepy, is on the board, I think, of May Dugan Center. Yep. And Rick Kem, the uh, director, uh, is he director or CEO? Executive director. Executive yep. director is uh, one of my leadership Cleveland classmates from a couple of years ago and got to know Rick very well over that year. Um, we just wanted to have you on. And since the industry is supporting May Dugan Center, wanted to tell the industry what May Dugan Center is all about, what your mission is and what your current initiatives are. Can you just give us a broad outline, um, Andy, of, of May Dugan Center's mission and, and who you serve? Sure. Yeah. So the mission of the May Dugan Center is to help people enrich and advance their lives and communities. And we've been around since 1969, so 54 years of service, um, with the whole idea of providing multiple services in one location to make it as easy as possible for families in need to access the services they need. So today, what that looks like, uh, we have our six core programs, uh, which is our food and clothing distribution program our Education and Resource Center, our uh, Behavioral Health Department, our Trauma Recovery Center, uh, which works with victims of crime, and our Seniors on the Move program. And then our sixth and newest program is our Refugee Services, where we're uh, working with refugees uh, and new arrivals to the U.S. Great. So you said food and, food and clothing, education, behavioral health. Mm-hmm. Trauma recovery, refugee services. I missed one. Uh, seniors. Seniors. Yep. Got Our it. Seniors on the move program. And isn't their motto um, mastering aging well? Yeah. Mm. We could all use that. <laughs> yes, <we laughs> can. I mean, that's such a broad impact. And I mean, um, we make such a difference in minority communities right in the center mm-hmm. of, you know, the underprivileged area. So where I is mean, it located? Where are you located? So we're in Ohio city, uh, 41st and bridge in Ohio city. Uh, but we're, you know, a lot of our folks are from kind of the near West side of Cleveland. Um, about half of our clients are generally from that area with the other half, uh, from the East side, further West, really all over the County. And how did the name come about? Good question. So, uh, <laughs> I'm actually going to let Sarah tell this story because Sarah has a great connection. <laughs> so May Dugan is, um, is a real person. She lived on the, in the near West side over Gordon square area. And she was my great grandmother. Wow. <laughs> so the family has been involved with the, um, organization for quite some time. Uh, and she was, it was named after her. Our technical name is Near Westside Multi-Service Center, but we go by May Dugan Center because she was kind of a, a community activist before community activism was kind of like a thing. Mm. She would bring what people in. the decade? The decade, uh, well, um, you know, she was during Prohibition. She died in the wow. 1970s. Um, wow. But she would bring people into her home, let them live there, feed them, tutor kids. Um, if people uh-huh. had legal trouble, she'd take them down, downtown to the Justice Center to help them figure it all out. And she was just that person in the community who was always there to, for her neighbors. Mm-hmm. And um, I see it today. I mean, everything that we do at the May Dugan Centers are things that May Dugan did for the community, you know, 40 or 50 years ago. What was her driving force? 
I think she just wanted to help her community. Yeah. She just wanted to be, you know, neighborly and be that person that people can rely on. And Not any kind of religious compulsion or. or <laughs> I mean, she was obviously a good Catholic. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. But just a good person. Just a good person all yeah. around. And like I grew up with stories from my dad and aunts and uncles about having to go to her house to get the house ready for the new boarders that were coming in and peeling potatoes for the next meal that they were making wow. for mm-hmm. the community. So. Well, that's really living a leg- legacy. I know that. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. It's big shoes to fill, and uh, I'm how still many people on it. are do you guys uh, employ now? How many people actually serve Maydugan? Yes, yeah, so we have about we have 45 people on staff, mm-hmm. um, and in terms of our impact, that last year we served over 20,000 people. Um, still finalizing some of the numbers. It'll probably be more like 22, 23,000 when it's all said and done, but. Past few years, really since the pandemic started, our numbers have jumped up over 20,000 each year. Wow. You have volunteers as well? We do. We have a lot of different volunteer opportunities with our food distribution program, our refugee services, um, tutoring in our education department. And so the education department, what does it do? So we are... um Primarily focused on adults. Mm-hmm. We have a couple little subdivisions. We have a GED program. Um, we assist uh, people as they get their GED. We have our ESOL program, English Speakers of Other Languages. Uh, and we provide English language services for a wide variety of languages. We've been doing it for five or six years now. Um, and with our refugee services, that those classes are filling up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. We can always use volunteers there. Uh, We also have a workforce development program where we help um, people find the right place for them. It's not just about finding a job, but finding a job that meets their goals and needs. A lot of career exploration, you know, those soft skills, resume writing, practicing interviews, and really trying to find what's the best fit. Is it a training program? Is it employment? And then once they find that job, assisting them, being that kind of coach on the side, Mm -hmm. you know, they're having a problem with work, they can come talk to us before they go talk to the boss, something like that. Um, And the other program we have in the education department is the uh, Financial Opportunity Center. And that program is newer to the department. And it's an exciting program where the mission is to help low to moderate income families and individuals reach the financial mainstream. So it's an ideal, it's perfect for that entry-level worker who just got their first job out of training school, out of college, high school, whatever the case may be, and figuring out what is your budget and what are your financial goals and how do you meet them. Mm-hmm. And working with uh, clients to empower them for to make money work for them instead of them working for their money. Nice. You know, um, looking at, you know, you might be 22 years old, what are your goals Yes, we have to retire and save for that, but let's look at your credit. Let's build up that credit. Let's repair it. You know, and every person in the program is doing something different Mm -hmm. and it's all one-on-one financial coaching and it's just empowering people to take control of their finances and, you know, live the same American dream we all want. Sarah, you're the director of education and refugee services and the workforce development and the financial opportunities programs fall under your domain? Yes, they do. Okay. And how many folks do you have helping you with that? So um, I have a big team right now. Mm. (laughs) Um, In the education department, we have uh, seven employees. Mm -hmm. And then in refugee services, we have um, three. Yeah. Um, so and that's a growing, it is growing. Department. Yes. Um, we're expecting to see more job seekers for, you know, all our Clevelanders, our refugees. Uh, so we are very busy. Why is it jobs. growing right now? 
Uh, why? Well, the refugee program is adding a lot of numbers into our job program, and it's trying to find our newcomers jobs. And that is, you know, so many of them are coming to me and saying, well, I did this back home. I'd like to do it here. And um, finding employers that want to work with our newcomers and want to employ them. Language is always going to be a barrier trying to get them the language skills that they can be successful on the work site. Right. You know, so actually so many of them are coming to me and saying, I built houses in Afghanistan. Uh, what can I do with construction here? Mm-hmm. And trying to make some connections and find, find them jobs so that they can be sustainable. Yeah. If they can speak English and they know how to work construction and they can get to a job site, you can put them <laughs> to work. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I got to, I got to get do that English stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, a big one. I, I'm, I'm interested in knowing, um, as far as the refugees, what, what's changed in the last two years? I mean, um, what does the landscape look like? Like, what are you receiving and what is the biggest need? So for our refugee program, it's actually, it's a very new program at the Maydugan Center. We just mm-hmm. welcomed our first families in September. Oh. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we spent the past year really vetting, like, do we take on this program? How would it work um, with our existing programs and the existing community members that we've been serving? And so we said yes and uh, welcomed our first families, like I said, in September. So we're still working through um, kind of the full scope of the program. Um, but obviously, you know, finding jobs is so critical um, as well as helping with the language skills and finding you know sufficient housing for people. Mm-hmm. And Andy, you're the deputy director of the yep. entire organization. You have kind of broad overview of responsibility. Um, I was going to ask you, probably you, the, the person to ask, where do you get your funding from? Yeah, a uh, little bit, little bit from everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so some government funding from various sources. Um, some city, county, state funding. Uh, we also do private, a lot of private foundations, mm-hmm. individuals, corporations. We do two special events each year. Uh, one is our summer soiree um, coming up in June. Um, and then every December we do a uh, community like open house tree lighting ceremony. We have a huge 40 foot, mm-hmm. probably now 42 foot uh, Christmas tree that's right out front of the May Dugan Center. We put lights on it, invite the community um, and it's also a, oh, it's a live tree. Oh, it's a live tree. That's why you said 42 by now. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. it's, it's still growing. We had it measured a couple of years ago and it was yeah. like 40. And so mm-hmm. it's probably a little bit bigger at this point. Yeah. So and what's that summer soiree like? Yeah. So that's our, it's a ticketed event. It's a really fun evening. Um, it's happening at windows on the river this year. Um, windows on the river, right on the West bank of the flats. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just an opportunity to bring together supporters of May Dugan. We have, Music and silent auction and raffle items and uh, it's full dinner as well. So cool. uh, last year was our first time doing it at that location. Had a great time. Um, raised a lot of you know a lot of funds for the May Dugan Center and our work. And so we'll be we'll be back there again this June. That's cool. Uh, sounds like something to go to. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, with respect to the funding sources, are there are there uh, restrictions on those sources and separately but related? What are the uh, qualifications a person needs to meet or fit to, for you to serve them? So, yeah. So each funding source has, you know, slightly different qualifications. Mm-hmm. Um, the government funding sources have pretty strict requirements. Um, and then in each program, it's slightly different. So, you know, for our food distribution program, folks, which I oversee as well, uh, folks have to be below 200% of the federal poverty line. So... Mm-hmm. What that shakes out to okay. is that for a single person, it's about twenty five thousand dollars. So, if you're at 
15, $16,000, you hit the income limit for food stamps mm-hmm. and then up to $25,000, you can still access food pantries. So food pantries are really there as like the backstop and for folks that may be working, but it's not enough to still put food on the table every day. Right. And so we're there to fill that gap. So, uh, but then for some of the other programs, we don't have any of the, like we do have some requirements obviously, but um, we have a much more broader scope. Like with the ESOL program, most of our traditional ESOL students all have employment. Mm-hmm. It's they maybe want better employment, move up in management. So they, they might even, they may not even qualify for our food pantry, right. um, but we welcome anyone in um, incomes, not, um, a consideration a demographics. We serve in the ESOL program. Um, we have an online class on Mondays and actually someone from Cambodia logged in. <laughs> <laughs> he's traditionally he lives in Lorain County, mm-hmm. but he's in Cambodia right now. Uh, so we have people from all over the place. We have um, students in Summit County, in Cuyahoga County, all the way out in North Olmstead. So we, with our online class can serve a wider um, range of people who can't get here for transportation. Okay. Well, you're in Ohio city. You have right. broader reach, but how do people find you? They do. They just yeah. find us. It's, <laughs> um, in GED, for example, a lot of it is word of mouth. Um, it like I have like families will start coming in and they'll bring in their fa- friends, their cousins. And you know, it turns into a big family affair. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done really well with that. We've been working on some social media outreach as well for the ERC um, reaching out to different training pl- programs and employers for the Financial Opportunity Center to kind of get uh, people coming our way. Okay. Yeah, the legacy of being around for over 50 years yeah. and providing services to the community. Most people know, they may not know exactly what we're, like the exact services we're doing today, but we're usually a first stop if they're in need. And yeah. we can either, you know, we try to serve them the best we can. If it's something kind of very specific, we have a great uh, group of community partners that we refer to and that also make referrals to us. Mm. what's your behavioral health like? Yeah. So it's mental health and addiction counseling. Mm -hmm. And so we do, uh, individual one-on-one counseling. We do group sessions for both addiction and mental health services, uh, case management as well. And with our program, we serve everyone regardless of their ability to pay. So Mm -hmm. we just tell people show up. If you have insurance, we'll bill your insurance. We're not going to charge a copay. And so we just want to make the, the, um, reduce as many barriers to accessing services as much as possible. Right. Makes sense. And then trauma. Yeah. So our trauma recovery center, it's uh, funded by the Ohio attorney general's office to provide services for victims of crime. Mm. So we have uh, a staff member in all five of the Cleveland police districts um, that, you know, have an office in each district, work with the detectives. So when someone's a victim of a violent crime, we reach out to them and offer them trauma counseling, criminal justice system, navigation, um, confirm that they're safe. And, you know, if they were, if it was a gang related crime, maybe they are interested in moving because they no longer feel safe in their home. Mm-hmm. And so we're able to work with them and help them navigate, um, really like a very traumatic event, And the, with the goal of trying to make it as easy as possible and, you know, it, offer them as much support as possible to minimize the trauma. Yeah. You know, what's great is though, um, you can be in my department in the education resource center, but you can get the services of all the other departments as well. Mm -hmm. So I think at one point in 2022, like, um, 75% of the people in the education resource center were also receiving behavioral health, seniors on the move, other services, food. Um, so that makes it just a place where people can come for one-stop shopping for all of the services that they need. 
Makes sense. And then the uh, the seniors, the uh, aging well department. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so our senior program, it's called Seniors on the Move. They uh-huh. pick their own name. Um, and they meet twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. They do, you know, everything from music therapy to art therapy to field trips to some of the cultural institutions. They do technology training um, so they can access my chart and online banking. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the goal is to help people stay vibrant and active in their community. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a great group of about 30, 35 seniors that are kind of in the orbit of that program and show up occasionally. Um, they're having a big party tomorrow. So a lot of, we'll see a lot of them. You'll uh, be well up. tomorrow. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Um, so being around since 1969 and obviously things have changed every year over those years. What are the things that are changing now for you guys? The refugee services are like a, is our big change mm-hmm. and integrating them into all of our programming is, you know, what we're focused on. I mean, for me, making sure that they all have jobs, making sure they're all participating in if they're interested, the financial opportunity center so that, you know, we can build up these newcomers to be sustainable Clevelanders who are thriving and stay here, make Cleveland our home because it's a great place to live. Yes. And, you know, that's that's my focus right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I would also say, you know, we, um, we've been under a renovation project for the past about year and a half. And so, uh, we're really looking forward. We'll be wrapping up in the next few weeks. And so we're really looking forward to utilizing our space to better serve. You know, we took a lot of time to design this space Mm -hmm. um, and it's taken a lot of time to construct it. And so we're really excited for the next steps to utilize it fully and to better serve the community. That's got to feel good to be almost done with that. Oh yeah. <laughs> how, how much space does it add or did it not add? So uh, minimal addition, probably mm-hmm. like, you know, 800 square feet. Um, but you know, 20,000 square foot square feet were over 20,000 square feet were reconfigured. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the building opened up in 1975 and so, and was built for the May Dugan center. So, you know, service delivery in 1975 looks different than service delivery today. Right. And so, you know, we doubled the number of group meeting rooms for, you know, for everything from English classes to behavioral health, um, you know, group therapy sessions. And so, you know, doubled the number of meeting rooms, uh, really made a lot more flexible office spaces, really just designed how we, how we do work today and how we serve the community today. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So, t- uh, so tell us, um, how were you introduced to CEA and that involvement? I'm also curious which construction company you guys did, did this renovation. Yeah. So, um, you know, as was mentioned, uh, we, one of the CEA board members, um, is also one of our board members at the May Dugan center, Chris Halopy from Shook Construction. And so, uh, Chris joined our board during the pandemic in 2021. And, you know, right as we were in the middle of designing our, renovation project. Uh, we were working with Bialoski architects mm-hmm. and, uh, so through Chris got introduced to CEA, um, and just a huge thank you to CEA for the support for our capital campaign, um, both in 2022 and 2023. And so, uh, for the renovation project itself, we're working with Snavely construction. And so they're the ones who are you know, working with us to do the full renovation. It's about a 7.5, 7.4, 7.5 million dollar project. Wow. That's great. And in and, and that neighborhood, it just makes a huge impact. Yeah. That's amazing. So how do people, uh, well, first, of your 45 people, what's the most common um, profession or background? 
social workers, social workers, yeah, social workers and counselors. So licensed professionals that help with, you know, a lot of different, um, you know, can do everything from the mental health side to the case management. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And then how do people that aren't social workers or that are our listeners, how would they get involved if they wanted to? There's a number of ways they can get involved. Um, if they wanted to come in and volunteer in my department, um, we're always looking for people who want to help tutor those looking to get their GED. Uh, helping out with their ESOL class would be a huge help. Do you have to know the language to do that? No, no. Okay. I don't know any la- other languages, and mm-hmm. I will occasionally go in and substitute for the class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, but it, a lot of times with the volunteers, the teachers will match them up with a student and give them something that they're going to work on. Um, right now we're working with a family, like some of our refugees don't know the alphabet yet. So some, some come with a lot of English skills and some, some come with none. So that volunteer is working to teach them the alphabet and that's, we all can do that. You know, that's, you don't need, you know, special skills for that. And the teachers are there to help them give them all the materials, kind of prep them for the session. Um, with the refugee services, we, uh, we need drivers. If you can want to drive people to appointments, We've got a need. Wow. <laughs> um, helping people learn how to use the bus is something that, you know, is would be very helpful for us because we want them to use the bus so they can get to their jobs. Uh, any kind of donations, clothing, small household goods are also very needed for the refugee program. How do people make those kinds of donations? The May Dugan Center is open from uh, 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. Monday through Thursday, 7 to 5.30 on Fridays. Got it. So we can just drop it off right at the center. Um, we ask that if it's, you know, clothing, small household goods, like stuff that you can easily carry, mm-hmm. feel free to just bring it. If it's larger stuff, reach out to us because yeah. um, then we can particularly furniture. So right, that takes a little bit more coordination. Right. And you can also go to our website if you wanted to make a cash donation or volunteer. There's a tab on our um, website to do that. Okay, so don't just walk up to the center and talk to the secretary if you want to volunteer. You can do that online. Yep, you can go to the website. Um, What's it called? It's the Get Involved tab. Get Involved. Is the food pantry something for looking for volunteers as well? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, so I've been running the food program for about 10 years and uh, really passionate about food insecurity and the ways that we can help solve that in our community. And so volunteers are a critical piece of the food program. Uh, Throughout the course of the pandemic, you know, we didn't miss, we never canceled one of our drive-through, one of our distribution days. We just Mm -hmm. quickly switched from in-person to Mm drive-through and we continued that drive-through from March of 2020 until December. So just last month. And so (laughs) we've had hundreds of volunteers that have helped out over the course of the past three, almost four years. Uh, starting this month, January of 2024, we switched back to an in-person format. So we discontinued our drive-through, but we expanded our number of days that we're distributing. So we're distributing three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, packing produce, pantry bags, um, helping directly distribute to clients, deliver food to seniors and other disabled folks as well. And so could always use volunteers with that. Yeah. Um, where does the food come from? Do, um so the majority of it is from the food bank. Um, we have a great partnership or a member agency, um, and they've been a great partner over the years. They um, We also get donations from various church groups. Westlake School District always does a big collection drive for us uh, every fall. And so it's a combination of a couple different places. Yeah. Good to know. Good to know. 
Well, I, I'm definitely going to look more into May Dugan. I never realized you guys made such an impact and, you know, um, and your grand great grandmother. I mean, I love that story. Don't you? Thank you. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> right? And she, and her legacy lives on. It does. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. So how did your, was your parent, were your parents involved with the center? So my dad was on the board for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like my, my aunts, uncles and cousins, we all come out to the fundraisers and, That's cool. you know, we've been part of the organization for quite some time. Yeah. Nice. Actually, my dad, um, when our first, one of our first deliveries in 2020 with the pandemic, um, he was sent off delivering and the first house he went to was actually right across the street from where May Dugan was. And that was like a moment for him, like, wow, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, yeah. oh, wow. so kind of brought it all full circle for us. Very cool. Amazing. It was such a pleasure to meet you guys. Yeah. Andy, well. Sarah, thanks a lot. Thanks, thanks for, for having us. On. Take care. Thank you for listening. To find more information about the discussion in this or prior episodes, be sure to check the episode notes section in your podcast app. Get notified and automatically download the latest episode by subscribing to the Construction Employers podcast in the iTunes Store or in Google Play. This podcast is brought to you by the Construction Employers Association. Find us on the web at www.ceacisp.org.